February 20th, 2024. From Corcoran Entertainment's recording studio in Miramichi, this is the Corcoran Entertainment Show with Frankie Corcoran. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Corcoran Entertainment Show. I'm your host, Frankie Corcoran. Uh, that was a new little intro that we did in honor of uh, John Stewart and uh, his big return to The Daily Show, something that was a long, long time coming. So I thought I'd do a little something to honor him uh, in this episode. So that's something that we're going to talk about uh, near the end of the show today. But um, how are you guys doing? How's your week going? Um, uh, the weather has been... Uh, Nah, it's been mad. It's winter. There's not really much good that we can say about it. But uh, anyway, we're still kicking. That's the main thing. Um, uh, just wanted to say uh, real quick too, guys, uh, our Thursday Think Thank uh, new episode uh, is coming out in a couple days this Thursday. So definitely be sure to uh, uh, stay tuned for that. Thank you all so much again for your response to it. Uh, people uh, seem to be liking it. So that's uh, that's the main thing. And uh, Christian and I are having lots of fun with it. And so definitely, guys, be sure if you want to get on the Thursday Think Tank, just be sure to email me at fcorcoran10 at yahoo.com with the subject Think Tank. Pitch your idea to me. Tell me what you're looking to do. And we will schedule you in on the podcast at a time that is most convenient for you and for us. And uh, yeah, we'll make it happen for you. Um, also, guys, uh, Playhouse Coral is coming up next week. Next week, it's starting uh, March 1st to 2nd, next Friday and Saturday at the Beaverbrook Kin Center. Tickets are $20, can be purchased at the door, or by texting or calling 1-506-624-3315. Um, and yeah, so there's that. That's uh, That'll be one of my last plugs for that. And uh, yeah, so uh, my guest today is uh, a probably known as America's leading classical guitarist. That's uh, one of his... Uh, uh, many titles. Uh, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, this man has uh, done it all with regards to uh, his career. He's toured all across the world. Uh, you know, Europe, North and South America, Asia, you name it. Uh, you you can check out his music. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, SiriusXM, iHeartRadio. Um, pretty much uh, just type in Jonathan Taylor. Uh, beautiful world on Google, and uh, you'll be able to find him on there. And uh, so uh, he, it was an honor to have him on the show. We even have lots of ideas uh, in coming up in the works that we'd like to do together. So uh, we will we will uh, say more details once we know about them. Uh, so we talk a little bit about his career. Uh, we we kind of go off on a couple different tangents. One second we're talking about music, then we're talking about COVID and the school system. But uh, it's a great chat, and uh, it was uh, uh, quite the honor to uh, uh, talk with him. So uh, later in the show, I want to give my thoughts on the uh, Deadpool and Wolverine trailer that, that just came out as well at the Super Bowl. And uh, as you guys could tell from the top of the show, my thoughts on Jon Stewart's return to The Daily Show that was a long time coming. Uh, so uh, super excited that he's back, and I'll be giving my thoughts on that later on. So anyways, guys, without further ado, uh, sit back, relax, and uh, enjoy the show today. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Corcoran Entertainment Show. I'm your host, Frankie Corcoran, and today I am joined by uh, Mr. Jonathan Taylor, who's a world-class guitarist uh, who, let's just say, he's been through it all. He's been everywhere. He's done everything. There's nothing that this man can't do. Uh, Jonathan, how's it going? It's time for me to die, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's going great. And uh, used to be lots left in your tank. Though. I haven't You're played very... in New Brunswick yet, so that's a goal. Yet he right? said, "Yet keep I, that in mind, I guys." He said, there. Yet. I haven't played there. Yeah. So, uh, so you you play pretty well everywhere in the world, but New Brunswick, or like where no. exactly? <laughs> well, where I exactly played... have you yet to play? <laughs> oh well, the Antarctic. Uh, the uh, I've played in all sorts of normal places. I call it like Western Europe or or Eastern Europe or, or um, 
uh, North America, but I've also played in very unusual places like India, the Philippines, Romania, uh, the Amazon, and Brazil, all of oh, Brazil. Uh, you know, so in unusual places as well as what I call the traditional concert auditoriums. Oh, okay, so where are you from uh, originally? I was born in Santa Monica, California. I'm a California native. I'm the last one here. Are you really? Oh, my God. You're the last of your species. Yeah, I'm the last. Of, <laughs> right. I'm the last of my species. That's right. <laughs> After this, forget it. Just shoot me out into space. Uh, so uh, I was born here and uh, grew up in Southern California, even though I've been, you know, a lot of places in the world. I consider California, Southern California, my home. And I live oh, in okay, Huntington awesome. Beach. I live in Huntington Beach, uh, but uh, right now I'm out here in Palm Springs. I'll be going back next week uh, in a few days to Huntington, but I was out here filming in uh, Palm Springs in the desert area. Oh, my gosh. See, see, see I don't know. Guys, what... he's been the, the desert, he's been all over the place, India, Philippines. Oh my gosh, isn't that something? Do you have one place that really stood out in particular uh, that you went to that you're like, I like it so much, I want to go back again, or you have gone back again? Boy, uh, you know, I've toured in Brazil many times, and I love, I love all the places. The truth is I don't have any one particular uh, spot. I really enjoyed uh, playing everywhere. Um, I don't think I've ever been that high up on, if you're near Bangor, Maine, you're near Toronto, Canada. Uh, I've, you know, I, I stopped in Toronto one time on my way to Europe, but I don't really know the town. Certainly don't know New Brunswick. And uh, so I don't really have that, um, you know, I love my own country as many people love their countries as well. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It's almost like picking a favorite child. You're like, who do I pick? Right. I, I love them all equally. Like, what can I, right. uh, or who can do I, I not, who do I not feed if I have to make that choice? Right. Yeah, exactly. I was wondering how it, it works. Uh, so you being all over the globe, do you get to choose where you perform or is that an agency thing? How does that work? Sometimes, uh, uh, and actually, uh, it's more, Frankie, where the gigs are. And okay. uh, so they crop up, right? I mean, you don't know half the time. Like, I never knew I was going to get my first re European record deal in Belgium. I had, I had an American record deal before that. And I have, I'm now with Warner Brothers and um, uh, Hit Lab for the label as well uh, in partnership. And uh, so you don't... Um, so I never knew that my first European deal was going to be there. And that was a very reputable company at the time. It still is. Uh, it had a lot of artists, George Shearing, the great jazz pianist, Yehudi Menuhin, the great um, violinist, and many other notables. And so, uh, you know, sometimes you just don't choose. It's, it's, the chips fall where they may. I say throw something on the wall, see what sticks, right? Okay. I, I had no idea how that worked. I mean, especially... Some musicians uh, that I know, and I know uh, like uh, what their process is and stuff like that, uh, they don't go like crazy far. I mean, like some of them stay within the country. Some of them might go out of the country, like for one one show and then come back. But you've been all over the place, right? So you know, the truth sure, is yeah. that usually you're never a prophet in your own land, at least initially. And what happens is you receive your successes abroad. Jim Hendrix is an example of that. He was, uh, did the Chitlin circuit. Here's a rhythm guitarist for Little Richard and Isley Brothers and other people, uh, uh, the Turners, Ike Turner. And um, he did that for years in the South. He was very poor and that. And uh, then he went over to England on, I would almost say on a whim, but that's not really true. A guy brought him over there and wanted to introduce him to another guitarist that was popular at the time, a man named Eric Clapton. And oh, uh, they, they, uh, Jimmy went over for that. They got a hit on top of the pops in England and then uh, made it in England, but nobody knew he was. Came back here to the Monterey Pop Festival in Southern California. And that's really what launched his big uh, career is that. And so you don't know where your successes are going to occur. Uh, so, for instance, one time I was playing in Targu Murish, which is a, um, 
Romanian city that has the Palace of Culture, very beautiful, like 3,500 seat auditorium, big successes, six encores that night, and uh, had big successes there. But then also playing in a replica of Albert Hall in Madras, India, in the southern part of India, very humid there, very humid. And um, so when you ask about, you know, where you direct your career, many times a record company will see the demographics where the albums are selling. It could be in Thailand. You know, you don't even know. Mm-hmm. An interesting an interesting thing about that is uh, when I was um, doing with this new uh, record company, I was very surprised about the demographics. You would think classical and even though I've adapted so many pieces in so many genres, uh, jazz pieces, pop pieces, you know, American folk songs, many, many different things. But uh, you would think that uh, the success would be with an older group, but the true truth is my demographic is 18 to 34, which is interesting to me. Oh, okay. to you. Oh my God. Absolutely. No. It, it's nice to have that, that, uh, that, it, it's scattered you know what i mean it, yeah. it's not just yeah. one number it, yeah and like, it's or, not or, or, just, yeah in particular and it's not that just 18 to 34 is listening to my music but that's a significant demographic uh, you know i mean they're every demographic does but uh you know the percentage is high so you just never know where things are going to go um like i have a a, a guy that wants to uh, have me do a concert. He's checking out the auditorium this next week here in Austin, in Texas. I didn't know about that last week. <laughs> <laughs> this is news to me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know about that until last week. So <laughs> you uh, you must have enough notice uh, when it comes to other shows, eh? I mean, like, uh, what's the worst uh, one you've had where it's like, all right, so you're playing tomorrow night at this button? You're like, what? <laughs> have you ever had those um, before? Yeah, I haven't had that. I've had friends that have had that. Uh, I've been very fortunate in that regard. I had one friend that flew over from London. He was very, I won't mention his name. He's passed away now. But he was very, very big, very popular. And he played in Redlands at a university in Southern California. And he came over uh, from London. And he was drunk on the flight. So when they picked him up, and they brought him to the auditorium. They got there late. The flight was late. And so the audience had been sitting there for an hour. And he just got right on and played without warm-ups or, you know, anything. So that happens. And you just have to adapt. It, it happens right. all the time. You know, you adapt to whatever is going on. I remember How one time in- How do you prepare in- for shows? Oh, sorry. I just, no, I just uh, know the pieces. That's all. pieces. No warm-ups, no vocal warm or well, well I, I try to warm yeah, I want to warm up before the concert. Yeah, it's just like an athlete stretching his legs. It's right. all the same yeah. thing. It's the same thing. Or a swimmer, right? Making sure their muscles are loose before they start to swim in the competition. It helps a lot of people. Some people it uh you're like, oh no, like I can get by without it. But but it doesn't hurt though. You know what I mean? Like if you're especially an athlete. And you're both like you, you, you haven't moved all day. You literally just rolled out of bed and you yeah, go yeah. to a game. Well, like you pull a muscle. Just can't. Yeah. If you're an athlete, you pull a muscle if you don't do that. Oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why I couldn't do it. I couldn't be an athlete. <laughs> Never in the cards for me. Um, uh, did you ever picture that this is what your career would be doing, being a world class guitarist? Is that where you yes. saw yourself? Yes. It is. Oh, okay. Did. Awesome. Here, the, the truth is I did something that most people don't do, and that is fulfill my childhood dream. So when I was very young, I was inspired by my by Segovia playing in concerts, by hearing uh, my grandmother, who was a um, silent film organist and worked with all the people you know, Charlie Chaplin, Keystone Cops, worked with Houdini many times. And uh, so uh, I made a commitment when I was 14 and then later 16 to master this instrument. The classical guitar is the most difficult instrument to play in the world. And that's not Jonathan talking. Uh, that's uh, other people saying it. And every musician. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've written for, you know, orchestras and that. And when people ask me, well, that must be very difficult. I go, nothing is more difficult 
than to write for the classical guitar or arrange for it. I go, I can write uh, a tone poem or a brass quintet or a string quartet, you know, in a New York minute. And that's easy. But the classical guitar is a tremendously difficult instrument with its technical difficulties. The great violinist, um, the Archer Heifetz used to say, the violin is the hardest instrument in the world to learn with the exception of the classical guitar. And that was probably the greatest violinist of the century, uh, of, 19, of 20th century, rather. So, uh, so to, um, you know, just to conclude that um, the voicings are so different for the guitar because it's tuned in fourths, the, uh, voice leading the, and with one third in the G and the B. Uh, and so there's lots of, what should we say, uh, lots of obstacles and one has to be very creative to overcome them. Yeah, exactly. As any artist would, like whether it's theater, whether it's film, whether it's anything you're doing, you know, there's always going to be bumps in the row, but it's how you deal with it. You know, and I, I think it's great that um, that was your dream from for your whole life mm -hmm. and take it to now and you're still doing it. I think that's great because there's some people that always say, okay, I want to do this. I want to be an actor. I want to, I want to go be a musician. And then years go by and they end up doing something else, which I mean, great well, for them as long people, as they're happy in what they do. I, I tell people the dream is for free. The hustle is, is extra. Uh, and the battery's not included. Yeah, exactly. That's a great so, way to put it actually. Yeah. So people, they dream, I go, what, what does that mean? Uh, you know, mankind dreamt for thousands of years to go to the moon, and it took Americans to do it. I don't mean that in a conceited way, mm. but it took the competition between the free world and the Soviets. Uh, it took that competition in our bank book and our creativity to be able to go there rather than just dream about it, which is an easy thing. Uh, yeah, and, absolutely. and at the time, at the time they did it, they had no idea how to, to do it. They did not develop, have those technologies available or, you know, they were uh, overcoming problems and obstacles, you know, that they had no idea uh, how to do it. No, exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I remember just going through like what you've done. And uh, I'm just going to read some of it here, if you don't mind. Uh, I mean, like, started off, you studied music at Chapman uh, University, full presidential scholarship. You were the head of the music department at the Newport Institute of the Arts in Southern California. Um, what else you got to hear? You studied privately for years at the home of the great uh, uh, Pepe Romero, who was also a private student of Frederick Node, whose PBS series was a staple of American life. Um, and among other things, you've had a long distinguished career, uh, Europe, North and South America, Asia. Um, how do you do it? <laughs> how do you do you it? Put all one this? foot ahead of the other. Put, <laughs> I'll tell you this though. When I went to India, the flights had things happen. They were delayed and all sorts of things. So I ultimately spent two days getting to India and I didn't have any sleep. Oh my God. Really? And so I said, I'll never do that again. I'll never go that far. Because from where I am, it's literally on the other side of the world, right? Dig a hole to China or India. They're close. So I, I would never do that long of a flight again. It was grueling. <laughs> it was grueling. Because <laughs> you're landing in like Vietnam and then you're landing in... Um, in uh, uh, not Hong Kong. What's the one right next to Hong Kong? The, um, but anyway, the our geography is all over the place. <laughs> no, well, if you live in New Brunswick, you know, hardly anybody knows where that is. I'll bet. No, exactly. We're we're uh, even talking about that before we started uh, recording. We're like, where exactly is that? And then we were kind of going through doing geography class. Uh, you started off, this is what you wanted to do from a very, very young age. And as we said, some people, they want to do. Well, the odds like, are against like, you. The odds exactly. are against you. Yeah. Most people bump around through life. They don't choose a direction. They go, oh, shoot, I need a job or something, right? Or, yeah. uh, you know, I want this girl or, you know, they have that. 
and so what happens is when you're very young uh, and you're a legitimate musician, classical musician, musician that's had, you know, training and, and all that. And I go, well, I go, your center is very different than most people's. You know who you are. And a lot of people there, I always say to people, but when people say to me, Jonathan, um, you find yourself and I go, you never find yourself. You're always you. What you do is you build yourself. You're building. Yeah, exactly. And expanding. But ultimately, you, that's a, a question for science, too. Why do we how do we know and why are we ourselves and nobody else? We may be connected in many ways to other people, but why are you, you, Frankie, and me, me, right? And the, you can't really assess that from just saying you're a collection of cells and they congeal and that. I go, well, it's a mystery. Nobody has. What brings you satisfaction, you know? Yeah. What, yeah. What brings you satisfaction? And uh, if you don't have a, shall we say a discipline or something that's beyond you personally, I go, well, you'll be flung around life in a very disconcerting way because you don't have a core and a center. So if you know who you are and if you uh, work toward that and you build what you are, I go, you're better off because you will be able to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune in a much better solid position deal from strength rather than reacting to let's say uh, deleterious or negative circumstances that everyone will have in their life there's no one that will not escape having something bad uh, it, it doesn't you know it can be a million things i you get ms or cancer or your house gets repossessed or you know a thousand things your relative dies your wife your kids whatever so i go well if if you have a strong base to stand on then you're going to weather those better yeah exactly like life happens life gets in the way and you can't control it. it's how you deal with it that whoever really... whoever predicted half the bad things that happen i mean who predicted in world war one that the serbian you know uh Archduke Ferdinand, he was shot, and now there's a war. And who predicted 9-11? Who predicted, you know, all these things that can COVID. happen? Well, nobody. Yeah, COVID. There's a perfect example, right? Yeah. And and the, the uproar, it's not, the deaths are bad, of course, but I mean, think of what it did to the economies of the world and, and not just the people that passed away. I had it oh, twice. Absolutely. Destroyed. I had it twice. Every I, my view is that most people should get it. I agree that certainly the very sick and infirm shouldn't. But uh, I go well. It's going to be here a hundred years. I go. Do I want it when I'm ninety five? You know, I don't want it when yeah, I'm ninety five. Exactly. You know, I I want it here when I'm healthy. And I when I went to a doctor, he said I had the highest antibody count. I think it was twenty seven hundred uh, that he'd ever seen in a human being for the COVID strains for a couple of them. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. So when when you had it twice, how bad did you get it both times? Was it? Well, yeah, it's, not some people, it's not. No. Yeah, some people, well, sometimes it's a treatment, like putting them on the ventilators. It damages the lung. It's very difficult because I truly am sympathetic to people. I go, OK, when my mother passed away, I had her intubated, meaning put on the lung machine. And uh, so I go, well, if you can't breathe, you can't breathe. So yeah, you're going to you die in five minutes anyway. So, I mean, it's a very difficult choice. And is it always a good choice? No, it can be a very bad choice. But it's the only thing you have available to you. So, uh, but you need to, it's building up your immune system too. And the problem about this virus is, you know, it's, a, it's an altered virus, meaning it's not occurring in nature, but partly altered by human beings. So I go, well, you don't have much of a history on how that's going to work. Uh, and so, you know, there are youngsters dying. Studs that are 25 have a heart attack, myocarditis. Yeah. You know, there are many, many difficulties to that issue. And, and you have people say, oh, that you're too young. You can't get this. No, no, it can happen to and, anybody. And, you know, like, and, and they die. 
I mean, yeah, and exactly. you're talking about, you know, people with very strong bodies that replicate the cells very quickly and that. So it's a very, uh, it's a very unfortunate thing that, you know, you, we all live through and everyone lived through, right? Yeah, exactly. Like when I had it, it was, I honestly didn't know I had it until a friend of mine who I was a close contact with called me, said, hey, I got COVID. I tested positive. Uh, so I had it easy, but there's some people who didn't have it easy. I've only yeah. had it once as far as I know. Cause I mean, I, for all I know, I could have had it a second time and just didn't know. Right. Like, uh, but granted, I can't be the one saying, Oh guys, don't worry. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Like I had it. You're okay. It's okay. But you probably have a better immune system. You know, it's a coin. It's a coin toss. And, uh, that's the problem with this particular virus. I go, it's a coin toss. You could be healthy as a horse, get it? Boom, you're dead. And then other, yeah, and then exactly. grandma, who's weak, gets it, and it's a little sniffle. So it's no, a exactly. very difficult thing, yeah. And that was my grandmother. She uh, she she passed away at 92. Uh, a few months before, before before she did pass, she got it, and it was just like a cold. Like you wouldn't have been able to tell. Like it was just very like like it just affects people differently. If you're vaccinated, uh, you'll be okay. If you're vaccinated, you could still get it bad. Like it just it is a coin toss. But how did the pandemic affect you in terms of no gigs for three years, no, no live gigs. performances? But that's okay. I worked for three. I I now have 180 performance videos on my app. I have an app that uh, is free to anybody and uh, you can download it. If you have an iPhone, go to the Apple store and just type in Jonathan Taylor, no uh, break in the name. And if you're a uh, Android user, go to Google play and type Jonathan Taylor. It's there. You can download it for free. There's tons of tons of material. There's interviews, there's uh, performance videos, there's audio files, uh, there are, I have a series called Adventures in Touring because I've had so many adventures. You know, I met the head of JPL on a tour once and then he gave me a tour of the entire JPL facilities and I was going to meet Carl Sagan and he was dying in the hospital. So, I mean, I've had so many different adventures throughout my touring uh, years. And so how did COVID affect me? Getting back to your question, I go, well, you just didn't do live gigs for three years, but that's okay. Cause then I recorded audio stuff and recorded. I have 32 albums. No, well, right. there you go. Like you've already yeah. done it all. I mean, obviously I'm sure there's party uh, that's like, I want to get out and do some stuff. Yeah. But and who knows, nice. maybe I'll be doing that gig in Austin here, you know, and also New, New Brunswick. Yes, exactly. We still got to make that happen. I would happen. love to see New Brunswick. I would see the Canadians are the neighbors we don't know are there. The neighbors <laughs> that we don't know are there. So quiet, such good manners, such nice people. Yeah. Yes, exactly. People see and, them on TV and go, are you guys actually that nice? Do you guys actually apologize for yeah. nothing? I'm like, yeah, we do. Well, there's, there's some people who aren't like that there's some people sure like i can be guilty of it sometimes like the stereotypes like people just see what's on tv and they're like oh oh the canadians the real nice people huh they're not always nice <laughs> yeah right you know that uh, that during the revolutionary war that we were fighting against england america that right. that territory there that is um the northern part of the North American continent, what is Canada now, at the time was not Canada. Of course, it was part French, some Spanish up there, the English, you know, everybody was uh, vying for things. And I go, actually, there was a battle with uh, Benold, uh, Benedict Arnold that he was almost going to annex that part of what you now call Canada, but that didn't happen. But that's a true story that Canada, that particular section of Canada, uh, it wasn't Canada yet, of course, uh, <laughs> almost was part of the territory of what we call the states, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and there weren't states back then. There were colonies, 13 British colonies, right? No, exactly. Like, times have changed for sure. You, uh, you seem like a real, you're really interested in history. You know, lots about history. Like, that must have been your favorite subject aside from music in school, was it? Yeah, you know, you know, honestly... Um, Frankie, um, I think the American school system is terrible. And okay. so what I did is I 
went out on my own and studied many subjects, physics, history, uh, religions, many different philosophy, so forth. Uh, you know, I can quote Sufi uh, poets in that, come fill the cup and in the fire of spring, the winter garment of repentance fling. The bird of time has but a little way to fly and lo, the bird is on the wing. So that's Omar Khayyam from the Rubiyat. In other words, I educated myself because most of what I felt was being presented in school was just a bigoted view and also wouldn't help you, wouldn't help you financially. So I believe I had an epiphany one time on a plane where I said, most of what I've learned is either wrong or so limited that it won't help me get anywhere in life. And the reason why is the blinders and the box that people think. Uh, and I go, well, a subject can be in many categories, can be in many, many categories. Uh, so I took it upon myself to study literature. It took five years to really delve into the Russians or the Brits, maybe William Blake, maybe uh, uh, doing Voltaire and Candide and so forth. So I, I did that on my own because the paucity of the American school system is that you either learn somebody else's prejudices or you learn something that is not going to advance your life. It's not going to help you either economically, it's not going to intellectually expand your horizons. And as the saying goes, nothing expands the mind like travel. So when you, when you see that your background uh, wouldn't allow a doorway to a better existence, you have to create it yourself. And that's an American thing, by the way. You know, everything here, the, and in a way, America is the idea of the ever-expanding West, meaning an American is always becoming. They are not set. They are not gelled. The die is not cast, and they are that one thing. They're adapting, and they're yep. creating, and they're uh, maybe destroying what worked for a while but no longer works. So it's a, it's a certain type of mindset uh, Freud used to say that he who can tolerate uncertainty will never develop neuroses. And the reason I'm saying that is that most people have in their mind a boundary of who and what they are, what their comfort zone is and that. And they don't um, try to question, and I try to do this every day, question, why do I think this? Why do I believe this? Why am I acting upon this in this manner? Uh, to the, the universe itself is constantly changing. Constantly. Absolutely. Yeah. Everything's it's, changing. The world's yeah, changing. The yep. You know, I saw a wonderful, not to talk on and on, and I don't. No, no. To, <laughs> you but, have the floor. <laughs> but, but I saw a wonderful illustration of the solar system of how it really is. You know, you learn in school that you've got the sun in the center. There's Mercury and there's Venus and there's the Earth and Mars, etc. The asteroid belt, Jupiter, the outer planets. And I go, and people are thinking it's doing this. And I go, but it's not. I go, it's traveling at thousands of miles an hour and it's going like this. In other words, yes, part of that is fixed meaning the sun is 93 million miles away from us generally, okay? But it's moving in space, so it's moving there. Let's say we'll call it east, just because we'll use it, you know, <laughs> earthly direction. I go, it's moving east, and then it goes up over here. And I go, it's not just revolving. It's going all over the place because it's traveling and expanding all the time. So we're moving not just within that one system, we're also moving within the Milky Way galaxy. Remember in the 20s, before Hubble uh, discovered it, they thought the Milky Way galaxy was the entire universe. In the 20s or the teens, that they used yeah. to, yeah, they thought, oh, that was it. And now, you know, it's just another galaxy amongst billions of other galaxies. Yeah, because exactly, the optics, right? You know, the James Webb telescope is changing everything. They're everything. rewriting yeah, they are rewriting tons of stuff. They found galaxies that should be old and they're brand new. 
They're just forming. And so that I go, well, it means that the time measurement is not linear and the distance measurement is not linear in this case. It may be true in this case, but it isn't true here. Otherwise, these should be, you know, way older than what they are. And yeah. so so I go, well, the optics are now so superior. You know, that thing is way out there. It's not orbiting in a close orbit, like a low Earth orbit. It's way out there, the James Webb, and to uh, get w away from the light, right? Get away from, yep. uh, get in position to see better. So, you know, that's changing the entire understanding. They think now the Big Bang is really under question. And that's not to say there weren't explosions or bangs, but not in the way we think. Yeah, exactly. And uh, history changes. Oh, this happened. No, this, no, that happened. No, this happened. No, that happened. It just changes yeah. like that. Even We're though, even though, and this is not to raise some like conspiratorial thing, because I, I have no idea when I'm going to this, but even when they found, you know, Hitler's body outside the bunker, burnt and all that, and I go, well, how do you know? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, they didn't have DNA. They didn't have any of that stuff. And I'm not saying that he lived and, you know, conspiratorial, but I go, well, how do you verify? If he lived, he'd be in a home right now. Because <laughs> he'd be Yeah, of course, he'd be. Well, I mean, the CIA, I think, searched for him until the 50s and down in South America with yeah, other Nazis. I think so. Yeah. And they searched because they thought maybe we're wrong. Yeah. Well, he died. Right? 50, he was 56 years old. Is that uh, what that he was? 19, he was 56, I believe, okay. if I'm not mistaken. Born in 45. So he would have been. Yeah. No, he'd be dead. Definitely. He, he would absolutely be dead. <laughs> I was saying, I said, maybe he'd be alive. No, he'd be dead. Right. Well, some of those guys were down in Mengele and that were down in South America for decades. Yeah, that's right. Eh? There are German towns. I can tell you in Brazil, because I've been touring in, in Belém, which is the Portuguese word for Bethlehem, which is the Amazon, and mm -hmm. in, in Rio de Janeiro, in Brasilia, the capital, and other places. And I can tell you there are actually German towns in Brazil. You know, oh, that are most, really? they speak German. Yeah. And they're, I mean, you look at them, you can tell they're German. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. and the Brazilians are a mixture of three races, to my knowledge. It's the black, the white, and the Latino. And that's oh. why their body, they have beautiful bodies and beautiful skin and that. They're beautiful people. And um, I go, well, they're all those three races mixed together. Yeah, through different oh, tribes, yeah. generations, and all that. You learn lots of stuff traveling the world, eh? <laughs> you know what? Uh, you get on a flight, and, you know, I met a guy from Australia, and, and you know, he's giving me Vegemite. You know, I mean, I, you you experience life in way beyond your culture. Right. Way beyond Western culture. I tell people that... I've met when I've met Amazonian Indians who are like four foot tall, very small, perfect bodies, not dwarfism, meaning not the different shape body. But I go, oh, no, they're perfectly proportioned. I go, those people are like nothing a Westerner has ever seen unless they yeah. crowd that stuff. I go, they're not even they're not. They're not uh, people that are like in the civilized world in in europe in canada north america everywhere i go they're nothing like that uh they're human beings but they're not referring to their culture uh and i go and it's fascinating because i got i spoke with them we got along famously i go i can speak to anybody i don't care what their language is i don't care what their background it means nothing to me none of that stuff means anything to me i want to connect with them yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. I, I so we had a great time. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> sir, 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 certainly been through a lot. A lot of yeah. good. That's for yeah. sure. Traveling around and learning stuff. And uh and look, great success, world class guitarist. Uh uh, you've done it all, man. And uh so of course, guys, you can uh um Jonathan's music is uh, streaming everywhere itunes spotify pandora amazon music sirius and iHeartRadio. radio uh, if you type in jonathan taylor beautiful world into google you'll find it 
Uh, you know what? If they type, if they type, what will be easier is they type Jonathan Taylor guitar, just Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, Taylor guitar. guitar. And if they want the app, and it's free, that if you join as a member, it's forty dollars a year. You don't have to do that. There's plenty of stuff. You don't have to do any of that. And it's worth it, guys. <laughs> yeah, if you if you go to Google Play and type Jonathan Taylor or Apple Store Jonathan Taylor, you get that app. There's tons of videos, commentary, uh, like I said, my adventures in touring uh, series, lots of different uh, adventures in uh, touring that we haven't even touched on here yet, you know, and uh, so that is there on the app. And the reason why I say that is that's the easiest thing for people if they want to hear that music. Yeah, exactly. Like you want as many people to hear it like, oh, crap, I can't afford that or I don't want to uh, buy that. It's like, OK, but then there's other options for you that work for you. Right. And that's the best right. part about uh, today's day and age. But uh, uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Really appreciate it. Uh, congratulations well. on all your success. Any uh, upcoming gigs uh, that you want to promote for well, other than, the, the other than the one, other than the one in uh, Austin, I don't know when that's going to be, and we're going to do one in New Brunswick. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. So we will definitely stay in touch about that. Super, super excited. And uh, guys, thank you for listening to the segment. We are going to take a short break. We'll be right back. But until then, this is Frankie and Jonathan signing off. See you later, Jonathan. Bye bye. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Cork and Entertainment Show. Uh, that was me and uh, Jonathan Taylor chatting. Uh, definitely, guys, be sure to uh, support Jonathan and his music. Uh, his music is streaming worldwide. iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, Sirius, iHeartRadio. Uh, just type in uh, Jonathan Taylor, Beautiful World, into Google, and uh, you will be able to find it. So thank you so much, Jonathan, for coming out and... Um, we will certainly have lots to do in the future. We have we we have a, a few more things planned, so just uh, just stay tuned for that. Um, <clears throat> so uh, yeah, so the first thing that I wanted to discuss for our uh, solo segments is uh, so of course we had the Super Bowl last week. Uh, I didn't talk about it on the show last, uh, uh, because the Super Bowl was last Sunday. I, of course, had an episode on Tuesday, but it was already uh, recorded and in the can. Topics were already and recorded, so I just figured we would just talk about it a week later because people will still be talking about it. Um, so some people can be uh, real picky when it comes to you have to talk about it like right away. If I waited two months, then yeah, it'd be too late. But anyways, regardless, I wanted to talk about Deadpool and Wolverine. Uh, the trailer came out. This is, of course, Deadpool 3. It's officially titled Deadpool and Wolverine. Uh, I I did hear a little bit of... Um, um, it, uh, the, the title's kind of a mixed bag for some people, but to me, I'm like, I don't, I don't give a shit. It's a title. They could call it Deadpool... I, I, I don't know shit I don't know I don't know <laughs> like anything I don't care what they would have called it it's Deadpool and Wolverine in it I don't I don't give a shit what they called it they could have just given it no title and we still would have watched it um so yeah Deadpool and Wolverine the Super Bowl uh trailer they call it a teaser I call it a trailer because to me a teaser is like a minute long this was uh like two and a half minutes long so I would call this a trailer obviously I'm pretty sure we're gonna get more but if I'm being completely honest if this was the only trailer we got, I'd be happy. I really would. Now, I of course I would love to see more more trailers because I think this movie's going to be awesome and just anything I can to get the hype, the the uh the excitement juices flowing, uh I will certainly take it, but really yeah, if this was all they released, I'd be fine. I I I'd be completely fine with it because all I needed to see was the shot we didn't even really see a full shot of Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. All we saw was him coming out uh, with the shadows, uh, uh, his, his uh, silhouette. Ching, claws come out, uh, grabs Deadpool, and then boom, the camera cuts to a uh, different scene. Or actually, no, it just ended uh, right there, actually. Um, so yeah, that's really all they needed, honestly. The trailer's great. The trailer is really, really great, and I've seen a couple. I, I was actually talking to uh, some friends about this. They're concerned that 
With Deadpool now, of course, uh, Deadpool 3 or Deadpool and Wolverine, this movie is going to revolve around Deadpool and his integration into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I was talking to a buddy of mine and he was actually concerned saying, I don't I feel like this is going to ruin Deadpool. The fact that he's in the MCU now, it's just going to go downhill. Uh, but if this now that's a reasonable uh, thing to 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 uh, consider if he's being integrated into the MCU, Deadpool was so good on his own. We He doesn't need to be integrated into any other cinematic universe. Like, just keep him as is. But after this trailer, I'd say, no, we they haven't missed a beat. They haven't missed a beat. As long as they keep Deadpool, Deadpool, they can do whatever the hell they want with him, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I think having Hugh Jackman back as Wolverine is just going to elevate that. Uh, so, yeah, all, the, all those fears that... that I mean, I, I never really had any trepidation, to be honest, about that, thinking that having Deadpool in the MCU is going to ruin him as a character. I never had that at all. Might have been like a little bit of skepticism, but I wasn't too uh, concerned about it because Ryan Reynolds being at the helm, he's working behind the scenes. He has huge creative input on the story and the scripts and the production as a whole. And he really cares about the character. He well, he is Deadpool essentially. He really is Deadpool. Nobody else could play him. Uh, and I just think that because he cares so much about the character, and he is such, he has such creative control over it. I don't think he's gonna allow it to dip. He knows the character. He knows the story. Uh, he knows it better than anybody. People can say all they want. I'm a big Deadpool fan, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But really, Ryan Reynolds knows it better than anybody because he's he's Deadpool. So uh, with him at the helm, I have no fears whatsoever. And having Hugh Jackman back as Wolverine is, is just going to help it. And I, honest to God, I don't even need to see Hugh Jackman in, in a trailer. Just let us have it be similar in a way to um, Spider-Man No Way Home where... Obviously, we we knew Toby and uh, and Andrew, Toby McGuire and Andrew Garfield were going to be in it, but we didn't have confirmation, and they weren't seen in any of the promotion or anything like that. Uh, even though we knew they were going to be in it, it was still hype, not like like just the hype was through the roof for that, just to see them. So even if they did that for this, even though we know Hugh Jackman's going to be in it, but just you know, it, it, if you want to keep him out of the promotion as much as you can, go ahead. But I mean, obviously, they're not going to do that. Because Deadpool and Wolverine, they're going to want to market it as much as possible. But just for me, personally, I don't need to see anything else. Obviously, I will watch more trailers if they come out. But this was all I needed to see for Deadpool and Wolverine to get me excited. I am so hyped for this movie. And I'm still sticking with my uh, instincts. This is just my gut feeling. I could be wrong about this. And we'll find out in July and, and probably... More likely in August, once the final box office uh, numbers are 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 um, are uh, calculated and everything, a billion dollar movie, and I think it's going to be the highest grossing film of the year. Now, call you 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 can call me out, say I'm wrong. No, no, it's not going to hit a billion. I'm I'm just saying I think it's going to be a billion dollar film. It's going to be the highest grossing film of the year. That's just my opinion. As I said, it's everybody has their own opinions on that. Some say just. Uh, I've seen the argument that because it's R-rated that that is going to have a huge impact on it. I disagree. Uh, Joker, uh, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, I don't think it crossed a billion dollars, but it was damn close, like 950, 980, something like that. So just because it's R-rated, that doesn't mean anything. Joker, of course, is was a billion dollar film, and I'm sure Joker 2 is going to be even bigger. Um, between Deadpool and Joker, uh, I'm more excited for Joker personally, but what do I think is going to do better? I think they're both going to do great, but I think Deadpool three is going to be the biggest box office movie of the year. Uh, sticking with that, we'll see how correct I am, uh, when the movie comes out. Uh, but, uh, definitely guys, be sure to let me know your thoughts on that. What did you think of the Deadpool and, and Wolverine trailer? Do you like the title first of all? I'm still saying Deadpool 3. I it, It's just instinct because we've been calling it Deadpool 3 for so long. But either way, Deadpool and Wolverine, who gives a shit about the title? Um, let me know what you thought of the trailer. Is this all you need to see for a trailer, by the way, to, to get you excited? Because to me, this is all I needed. That last shot of Wolverine, just his silhouette, was all I needed to see. And I'm so hyped. So 
definitely, guys, be sure to let me know your thoughts on that on uh, social media. And uh, so moving on um, to our next or uh, second and final solo discussion, um, you guys will probably know, of course, judging by the start of the episode, uh, I had my little own version of the Daily Show intro. Um, John Stewart's back to the Daily Show. I'm so, oh my God, it just feels so awesome to have him back. Um, so yeah, that's what, uh, what I wanted to talk about. Uh, the best for last. Uh, John Stewart has returned to the Daily Show. Um, it's funny. I'm going to go back in time a little bit. Um, when I was, I think, God, what, grade four or five or so, um, I was such, such a huge fan. I was like, oh my God, John Stewart and Stephen Colbert. I absolutely loved uh, The Daily Show and The Colbert Report. Of course, me, you know, me back then, you're probably thinking, why would you watch it back then? Uh, a lot of the jokes flew over my head that now you watch it back nowadays and you're like, oh, shit, that's what that means. Um, but, oh, my God, I, I, okay, I'll, t- <laughs> this is just funny. Um, so, it would air on the Comedy Network. They would air the new episodes. Well, of course, it would air on Comedy Central first, like the night before at like 12 o'clock or so. And then uh, the Comedy Network would air it the next day around 3 o'clock or so, something like that. Or 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, no, uh, 6 o'clock, something like that. I can't remember exactly because I would have uh, just gone off school then. Um, and <laughs> what I do is, so they play them both back to back. They play The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and The Colbert Report. And uh, so I would watch The Daily Show. And then in the commercial breaks, I would have... I would play my own satirical news show set in Canada. I, I honest to God, I can't remember what I called it now. The something report, uh, the Canadian report, or the Corcoran report, or something like that. Oh my God, I can't remember now uh, what I was calling it. But I would have it as like an hour show. I would play. I would do it during the commercial breaks, and then. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe I'm even saying this. Um, and, uh, so yeah, play it simultaneously with the daily show. So daily show, watch the daily show commercial breaks. Now this is the Corcoran report. I'm going to call it the Corcoran report because I, I think that's what I called it. And I do my own thing set in Canada, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then, uh, I get to a guest segment. I just be talking to my, <laughs> I can't believe I'm even saying this right now. Um, so <laughs> Now here I am, uh, all these years later, and I'm hosting my own podcast. This is this is the Corcoran Report. I should just call this the Corcoran Report. Um, <laughs> oh God, uh, man, <laughs> I, just, I just can't believe I'm even saying this right now. I I don't really tell too many people this, but basically, yes. I was such a big fan. John Stewart, Stephen Colbert. I was such a big fan of them. Uh, I was real sad when uh, Stephen Colbert announced that he was ending the Colbert Report, but I was very, very excited that he started hosting the Late Show. And it's great that he's just playing himself in that because, of course, the Colbert Report, Stephen Stephen Colbert, is a fictional character, a fictionalized version of Stephen Colbert. And now he just plays himself, uh, which is great, and he's really, really funny. Sorry about that, guys. I just had a heart attack. Uh, <laughs> holy shit, <laughs> <laughs> the male person came and, and the dog scared the living shit out of me. <laughs> He's right next to me. Um, sorry about that. Anyways, um, and so yeah, Stephen Colbert is really funny as himself, and that's why I think he's a perfect fit for The Late Show and that now he's not... Uh, confined to playing this character, this fictionalized version of himself. He can just be him. Um, and then, of course, I, I think about a year later, Jon Stewart decided he was going to retire uh, from The Daily Show. And uh, it was really sad. It was a really, really sad day. It was almost like... I uh, Funny because The Colbert Report ended in, what, December, I think, that year? And then Jon Stewart announced a couple months later that he was leaving. And I think I always had an inkling that maybe Jon Stewart decided to leave because of the Colbert Report. Not necessarily like that was like the 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 drive to it. Like, like oh, Stephen's leaving, then I go. To me, it seemed like he was contemplating it. And then once Stephen Colbert left and and uh, went on to pursue this big opportunity, you know, host a late show, take over for uh, David Letterman. I think it kind of just set in it planted the seed in John, John Stewart's mind where he's, he of course 
is a filmmaker as well too and he kind of just thought that okay like Stephen Colbert or like 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 Stephen has been doing this for a while now and he's getting more opportunities and meanwhile I'm confined to this for the last like 20 or so years and I think that was what now I'm not saying that that's what I think what caused him to leave but I think it it was kind of like a yeah maybe I should leave and go pursue other opportunities um and then of course ended uh they replaced him with Trevor Noah who is really really funny don't get me wrong but for me it was hard to it, it, it was just John Stewart it would be like if uh if um Jimmy Kimmel left Jimmy Kimmel Live and they replaced him with someone else it's like ah oh, but okay that person's funny but it was Jimmy well, I mean obviously it had his name in it but uh that was the same with the daily show I'm like even though it wasn't the John Stewart show it was the daily show it was I don't know it was like I just couldn't it was hard to watch the daily show without John Stewart it it just didn't feel right as 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 funny as Trevor Noah is and as good as of a host he was I just couldn't get too too much into it and then of course Trevor Noah left they've been uh, struggling to find a uh, permanent host in his absence and so now of course Jon Stewart is back and he's hosting it on Mondays uh, at least for the year to cover the um, the election this year which to me I was like he couldn't have left at a worse time all those years ago because it was like as soon as he ended his run uh, uh, Jon Stewart ended his run on The Daily Show that's when Trump announced he was running for president and all that stuff I was like oh my god really he left at the worst possible time <laughs> um, it was oh and um and so now like the whole american election american politics it's just like a sitcom at this point um i'm not going to get too too much into politics here cuz that's not what the show is about but to me i'm like <laughs> it was like oh like it, it's just perfect for someone like john stewart to talk about this and i, I think it's great that he's back to cover it cuz it's just like where do i stand on it where do I stand on the election? They're like, who, who, do you, who do you root for? Uh, who do you want to win, Trump or Biden? I'm like, neither of them. Both of them should. Biden should be put in a home, and Trump should be in jail. That's how I see it. I'm like, the, uh, like, but Bi- Bi- Biden can't even read, and he can't even stand up. I'm like, why is he running a country? You know, like now that's just my take. I know <laughs> someone will see this and go, oh, he's political opinion, blah, 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 blah. just my opinion. I just think. Biden's an old fart and he deserves to be in a home that's 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 what it is to me and same with Trump except he deserves to be in jail because he's just an asshole um but I just think it's perfect and as soon as Jon Stewart he he just slipped right back into it and it was it was like he never missed a beat and it was it just felt like okay this was a long time coming he left right right before Trump announced he was running for president and now here we are and all this is going on. I was like, it just feels like that it was meant to be, you know, and oh, it's just so great to have him back. It really, really is. I watched the first episode with him back uh, at, at the time of this recording. I've yet to see the second episode. It's Mondays. It comes out oh, only on Mondays. Hopefully, I just hope he comes back permanently. Now, I don't know if he will or not, because of course he left it all behind and everything. But I'd love to see him just come back full time. I just it's so good. Uh I know he's super talented uh, a talented uh, duh, I can't even talk today. He's super talented and I just think uh, the Daily Show needs it. The Daily Show really really needs it. Jon Stewart is the hero that we need but we don't deserve. We don't deserve Jon Stewart. So maybe he won't uh come come back permanently. Um but yeah, guys. So yeah, definitely. If you guys don't, first of all, if you guys have never watched the uh, the Daily Show, definitely. I don't know where you can find new episode or like the older episodes with John Stewart, but definitely find some way, watch some clips, and keep up to date every Monday with the Daily Show Mondays with John Stewart because he hasn't missed a beat and he's even funnier now, especially considering what he's talking about now. Just this election is just a sitcom that. You literally like this. Literally feels like curb your enthusiasm. It really, really does. Um, 
So guys, definitely be sure to check it out. If you are a Daily Show fan, what are your thoughts on having Jon Stewart back? Do you want to do you want do you want him to come back full time? Do you want him to just stick to Monday so he can pursue other opportunities? Whatever you think, definitely be sure to let me know your thoughts on that. And with that down, uh, we're gonna call it for the show there today, guys. I want to thank my guest Jonathan Taylor. Definitely be sure to support him. Uh, iTunes, uh, Amazon Music, all that stuff. Uh, be sure to uh, check out his music. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure uh, our next episode of Thursday Think Tank with uh, Christian and friends is coming out this week. So uh, definitely be sure to tune into that. We've been getting a great response on um, on our social media with regards to that. Lots of uh, emails. And uh, we, we really, really appreciate it. And we're to keep that going for as long as we can. Uh, so, yeah, guys. And also, uh, Playhouse Coral opens up next week. It opens up next week. Uh, which is uh, March 1st, March 1st and 2nd, next Friday and Saturday. It's crazy that I'm even um, saying that. Um, but here we are. Get your tickets, uh, 1-506-624-3315. Book your tickets now, and we look forward to seeing you guys there. See you guys next week. Uh, until then, actually, no, sorry. See you guys on Thursday for the Think Think. I'm sorry. Uh, it's going to take a while for me to get used to that. When when am I recording this? Uh, uh, when is it coming out? When is the Thursday thing thing? Every second Thursday. So thank you guys. Uh, see you on Thursday. And uh, until then, this is Frankie signing off. Have a good week. <laughs>